This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Dordal and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, January 8th, 2022. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back to the show, because we've been gone for like three weeks. Welcome back. Happy New Year to you and everybody. Yeah, Happy New Year. It's not 2021 anymore. How does it feel? Your New well, Year. It, it's great to not be 2021 anymore. And, and you know what was great about 2021? I, I can't think of much. It wasn't 2020. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you right. are maybe you have blocked out the pain and horror that was 2020, but it was worse than 2021. I have not blocked it out, or maybe I've just been reading my Facebook memories when they pop up. 2020 was awful, man. It was the worst. 2021, and, and it went on forever. It just lasted and lasted and lasted. I mean, I know Neil deGrasse Tyson will, would be hanging around saying things like, well, you know, technically speaking, that every single year has the exact same amount of time, save when scientists who are keeping track of the atomic clock in Colorado decide to add or subtract a second in a year in order to adjust for the varying orbital mechanics of Earth's orbit. <clears throat> and then you punch him in his face. But um, <laughs> but 2020 just lasted forever. And it just went on and on and on. And they really did add another second to the end of that year just to spit in our faces. It was awful. But 2021 wasn't it. And 2022 is not 2021. So, you know, hallelujah. Getting better. I, I'm excited for this year just for that. And and, yep. and also, I just realized this. I just realized this. 2022, in addition to not being 2021, also isn't 2020. Think about Amazing. that. Mind blowing. My mind is blown. I may have to <laughs> shut up for a minute and let you carry the show. Hey, uh, I'll I can handle it. I just finally got over my cold um 2022 did start off with a bang from christmas on just about everybody i knew got sick it's all good i'm really happy to be back because i'm finally settled into the new house i got tons of work to do but uh, i've got my little office where i work from and now i, I do show from uh, i'm good to, i'm really happy to be back talking about whatever and uh, it's so good to see uh, some friendly, familiar faces in the chat. Hello to uh, Bradford Walker, Rawl, Nianzi, and Ardenon so far speaking up in chat. I'm really happy to have you guys here. I, uh, I myself have an old and dear love back in my life. After, What's that? After 10 months, 10 months of an absence, I finally have my computer back. Holy cow. I I mean, 
I haven't I had know. a computer for 10 months. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know how much that I've means I've been doing this show on my iPad and iPhone. <laughs> I, I've been staring at screens that are like, one of them's 4.3 inches and the other one's 10.1 inches. And I sat down the other day and the screen on my computer is 27 inches. 27! Wow. And I'm sitting like eight inches away from it. it and it's freaking huge. I'm not making this up. This, this sounds like it's a gag or like I'm exaggerating for humor or something. I was opening up pictures that I had downloaded off my iPad. And I felt like I was going to fall into the screen or, or that it was going to eat my face or something. They were huge. They were monumental. It's a 27-inch 5K screen. Uh, not 4K, 5K. That's not a mistake. It's 5K. And I, I have to get – I'm still not used to having a screen that's this huge in front of me. It's How been so long – since I've been using a real operating system, I have never in my life since I started using computers. So now we're talking well back into elementary school. We're talking like 38, 39 years ago. I have never gone for more than a week or so without using a computer ever and and in 10 months i had forgotten how to do things some things on my computer not everything but some basic things i'm actually having to relearn and and i don't like it it's not a fun sensation just to, to not know how to do something on a computer. 38, 39 years, maybe 40. That's surprising that the those skills would atrophy in such a relatively short amount of time. It, it wasn't exactly like riding a bike, was it? No. I was just, it was awkward. I was trying to have to remember where buttons were. I was fumbling around. I just, oh man, I felt like a stranger sitting down, you know? Mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm so glad to have my computer back. And, and hopefully sometime this weekend or next week, I'll have my gaming console back. Because it has also been 10 weeks since I had my gaming console. 10 weeks, 10 months since I had my gaming console, my Xbox. So I haven't seen anything. I haven't played anything that came out in the last 10 months. So the earliest one I can remember, it's probably not the earliest one that I missed, but the earliest one I could remember missing was Resident Evil Village. I haven't seen that. I haven't played it haven't touched it. I, I haven't touched it. It came out in April, right? 
You got me. Was that th this year? I don't even know what this year is. It's 2022. I may have mentioned that. Well, what was the year before then? 2020? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's disconcerting not knowing how to do something on my computer because I've just been upgrading steadily and learning new stuff as I go along and I'm just so happy to have it back though. I'm happy to have 64 gigabytes of RAM sitting here on my desk. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Um, I think a lot of people might find that that liberating, but you needed uh, you needed access the to the worldwide world of whatever for the past ten months, and uh, tablets tablets and phones just don't do it. Tablets are no. fine for tablets are fine for reading. A book or catching up on your Seinfeld or whatever. But they, they are limited. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately. So what else is new? Uh, I mean, sorry, I'm bathing in the happiness. I'm I'm looking at my computer screen, just letting the dopamine wash over me. I'm having a dopamine moment here, guys. Can, uh, can you give me just a minute? I'm just kidding. Oh, this is I'm a, this is a family show. I'm uh, I'm professional. I'll go on with the show. Um, <laughs> uh, what's new with me besides the movies I saw? Because we did see, I did see a couple new movies uh, in the theater. And the reason why I was able to see him in the theater is because we had a couple family get-togethers at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and both of those were awesome. I got to see brothers. Uh, my brothers both live in Idaho. They live far, far away. Uh, and so I got to see my two brothers, who I don't usually get to see on a regular basis, and that was awesome. And one, uh, one holiday, we went out and saw the new Ghostbusters. So we talked about that on the show before the break. And the next holiday, we went and saw the new Spider-Man. And then I have HBO Max, so I watched The Matrix Revolutions on it. So, you know, we're going to talk about those two movies, Matrix Revolutions and, and uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, what else is new? I don't know. Just getting my computer back is kind of a big enough shock. If I had much else that was new, I don't know how I could handle it. Uh, sometimes you just have to take new things in small doses and let your let yourself, you know, kind of adjust to them. Fair enough. I. Uh, I... Yeah, I, I want to <laughs> say this. I want to say this to the guys. Uh, I, uh, if you could at all avoid it, I know you may take computers for granted and just think, oh yeah, living without a computer for 10 months, it's nothing. I can do that. And maybe you can. I did it. You know, I had my phone. I had my 
a tablet, I could still get on Twitter and, and talk stuff. I could still po- post stuff and, and do work on the thing, but it, it, it has impacted me in ways I did not expect that actually have caused a problem in productivity. Um, so unless you absolutely have to, for whatever reason, you know, someone was saying, they're talking about it and I'm like, look, this is not because I got, uh, noble and decide to, you know, like Henry David Thoreau become courageous and, and go and live a life unlived in a cabin on the mountain. You know, I didn't decide to emulate Jim Bridger and chop wood for the evening fire and live off the grid and uh, use packed snow to chill my food because I didn't have any electricity. This is not getting back to the land. This was me being cut off from my computer because of certain real life basically walked in and and said, I'm sorry, what are you doing there? I'm like, I'm doing what I planned. And real life said, nah, screw that. See, real life is what happens to you when you're doing what you really want to do. Real life is just that thing that comes along and gets to be what it is. It gets to do whatever the hell it wants, and you just kind of have to go along with it. That's how you know it's real life, when you have to go along with it. If you don't have to go along with it, then it's optional. That's not real life. Well, I'm so, pretty fortunate then. I'll let you know when my life starts getting real. Um, yeah. Real life's an ugly buzzer, bugger. It does not care what you want. <laughs> does not give a crap. You can tell real life what you want, and it'll just kind of shrug and do what it wants anyway. I got to tell you this. Um, Because this is part of the real life of last year. And I want to start this story off by reassuring you that what you're about to hear is not as scary as it's going to sound. Okay, I want to start this off by saying I do not have cancer and I never had cancer this year. That's quite a way to start. Period. Never. I'm just as cancer free as everybody else. Um, and so what I did have this last year, and this is part of why I was gone for 10 months for my computer, what I had was three different cancer scares, not cancer scares for me. I wasn't actually scared because I never thought I had cancer, but my doctors were convinced of it. And some of them still are. I three times my doctors found things on scans that they thought were cancer. And so I had to go do various more scans and more scans and then tests, biopsies. Um, and that kept me away from my computer for 10 months. So that was real life. Real life came in and said, we're going to take you away from what you want to do with your computer and your gaming console, and whatever else it is you feel like you wanted to be doing these 10 months, and we're going to put you over here. So, yeah, that's what life was. 
you know, I had my phone, I had my iPad. I was blessed that I had another way to get online and do this show. I was blessed that I had another way to communicate with everybody I know on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, Minds, on MeWe. Uh, I was very, very fortunate in that, that even when I was uh, in a care facility, even when I was for a very brief time in the hospital, uh, I still had ways to reach out. Um, so I'm not complaining. This is not me trying to whine or, or get sympathy. I just, it was real life. Um, and I didn't do it because I was courageously uh, tuning out of the... <laughs> Tuning out of modern society, I did it because real life had a bone to pick with me, apparently. I don't know what I did to offend real life so much, but man, it was angry this year, which is another reason I'm glad it's 2022. So the positive note is, yes, you can survive without your computer, but if you don't have to, I would not recommend it. You you are going to miss a step. You are going to miss several steps. And there are some things you just can't do without a computer, uh, especially if you're an artist um, or you're working in a creative field. It is much, much easier to write when you're on a computer. It's much, much easier to take notes uh, and much, much easier to use multiple programs at the same time. Um, so. Uh, I am very grateful that I had the tools I had to get through the last year. Um, and again, like I said, I don't have cancer. Um, I never had, and all of the supposed problems, uh, turned out to be other things that were fine. Um, and so, yeah, I don't want people to worry for me. I don't want people to... You know, I'm not fishing for sympathy. It's just real life happened. And I'm glad I've gotten over it or gotten past it. I'm looking forward to doing big things in the future. We're going to start small today, though. I have, uh, yeah. semi, I have good news for you and, and the audience, but bad news for me. I was uh, present for a viewing of the matrix so uh you kind of hit it you walked out early um uh, no i was i think i was i, I was definitely sick so i was partially paying attention at the time oh. um, but i got uh, i got most of the dialogue which is another bit of bad news for me and good news for you guys <laughs> i i might be priming the audience a little bit but but I did not see Spider-Man. You want you want to tell me what you thought of that? Um, I, I'm going to say this: it's really hard to discuss Spider-Man without getting into spoilers. It's like almost impossible. So I'm going to try and confine any and all spoilers to things that were in trailers, because um, I consider that fair game. If it was in a trailer, it's been spoiled already, so that's fair game. Um, but I will say this. When we get to Spider-Man, which I guess we want to talk about Spider-Man after we talk about The Matrix. Sounds good to me. Okay. 
Uh, I would definitely give Spider-Man uh, a big recommendation. It was a well-done movie. It was a fun movie. And its opening weekend beat uh, Infinity War. Made more money than Infinity War. And it pretty much deserves it. Wow. All right, then. Let's see. The Matrix, was it uh, Resignations? Res revolutions? Re re <laughs> I'm not sure what the Matrix is right now. Reboot. Retake. Rewarmed. Oh, that's too cutting. That's too <laughs> close to true. Oh. <laughs> that, this is not exactly a soft reboot. Not really a sequel. Oh. But it is lukewarm out of the microwave in a Tupperware. Uh, the That's Matrix way more brutal than I meant it to be. That's just yeah, so true. It's, it's so <laughs> true. Be as brutal as you want. This was pure <sighs> trash. The Matrix Resurrections. Thanks, Roll. Um, it's just it's a sequel that I guess it sort of picks up after whatever happened in the third movie. I don't even remember uh, the the second and third movies. I know I saw them, but I mean, this movie, Matrix Resurrections, out on HBO, done by only one half of the Wachowskis. Yeah, Glad Container, right? Only one of them signed on to do this, and it features... Keanu Reeves is Neo, Neo, Carrie Ann Moss is Trinity, and they're back in the Matrix or the new Matrix, whatever, uh, whatever they made after the resolution of Matrix Revolutions. And it's like you said, it's it's kind of a retelling of a similar story. They even have uh, a Morpheus and a crew of plucky. People in a ship flying around trying to rescue people from the Matrix pods and and what all all the all the beats and the character types and characters and and things that happen in the first Matrix find themselves repeated. And if you're wondering how on earth did this sort of thing get made, because there is no reason to make a Matrix 2, and then there was no reason to make a Matrix 3, and then the Matri after the Matrix 3, there's no reason to go back at all. And I'm sure you didn't miss them explicitly hanging a lamp on it at the beginning of the movie. Did, did you notice that, or were you asleep on the couch like I was? No, and, and then he did it again and again and again and again and again. I was sick on the couch facing the pillow listening to this movie and and they say they answer everybody's question right at the beginning of the movie uh neo's in a new matrix he's uh they've taken the story of the matrix and uh his sort of backstory is that he developed a video game and the story of the video game the narrative was the matrix the first movie 
So that's how they are keeping Neo in the Matrix while contending with his very real memories of, you know, his his first adventure, if you will, uh, while maintaining enough plausible deniability that he can, they the machines can keep him in the Matrix, right? He, that's his trap. And he's in a business meeting at this, you know, big game studio that made it rich off of his cool, you know, great, amazing video game writing. And they say, and he says, why? Why are we making another a sequel to this game? And the boss says, well, our parent company, Warner Brothers, says we're going to make a sequel to the game. You're either on board or you're not. <laughs> Kind of make it with or without you. Yeah, with or without you. Uh, just right there in the script. Do you want to know why there's another Matrix movie? This <laughs> is why. Oh my goodness! So that's I, the setup, and 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 agents happen, and Morpheus happens, and and there's you know Neo finally uh, you know reawakens and accepts his old memories, and the Matrix stuff happens. I don't know how else to sum it up. How'd you find I, it? I want to... It is clear that the Wachowski doesn't care about the actual plot background. But for all of that, it actually makes sense. They're more interested in the like the meta stuff and the romance. And I've got something to say about that real quick later, uh, if I remember. The romance, uh, actually, let me say that real quick right now because I'll forget later. The romance in The Matrix 2 never felt real. The romance in The Matrix 3 never felt real. They actually put time into making the romance the center core of this movie and because of the way they begin with the characters the way they are, the romance feels real. It is a workable romance. And I thought that was a nice change from the previous Matrix movies. Um, so I, I, I agree with that. I think the, the chemistry, particularly between Neo and Trinity was very poor. And, and after seeing this one, it had as much to do with the actors having little chemistry, which I don't think they do. And it was just as much the fault of the script, which didn't really take it seriously. Um, but, uh, and I guess this may be kind of spoilers, but you're going to get it very, very early on in the movie. So, you know, if you haven't seen it already, it's been out for like a month. Yeah, and, and and if you're uh, if you're planning on watching it still, just no, just don't. <laughs> I I have absolutely no respect for you in this case. You have been warmed. Spoil away. You know, if you have HBO Max uh, and you like the Matrix movies, go ahead and watch it. That's what I would say. Don't pay full price in a theater. Oh, no. No, 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 no. But if you have like HBO Max and you pay for it and it's free, 
then, you know, why not? Uh, it's not so bad that it's actually painful. Um, and, and there are actually a lot of good things about it. Um, the plot ideas are more good ideas that got buried under meta stuff, not heady philosophical discussions, but uh, it, it's, it's like, you know how some directors come out after their movies are made and they do the series of interviews where they respond to every internet criticism that's ever made of their movie. Well, they, this director took every internet criticism that was ever made about the matrix resurrections, put it in a time capsule, put the time capsule in the time machine, sent it back when they were making the movie and put all the responses in the movie. It's very, very meta aware. So anything you could say to criticize the movie, they've like pre-responded to it in the movie. And it's just annoying as hell. Don't do that. Just make your movie and let the kibitzers kibitz. It's not worth it. Make the movie you want to make and let people who, you know, wine, wine, whatever. It doesn't matter. So back to the plot. The plot makes absolutely perfect sense if you give away, give them their premise. And that's my theory about movies is a movie gets its premise for free. Those are the table stakes for sitting down at the movie. If you can't buy the table stakes, don't watch the movie. And the table stakes for this movie are, despite what you remember from term from Matrix 3 or don't remember, where Trinity and Neo both died, they used technology, the machines did, to bring them back to life. They're now alive. They didn't suffer any brain damage, whatever. They brought them back to life. And with them alive and their bodies in their control, another core program of the Matrix on the same, uh, on a slightly lower level than the architect and the Oracle, sticks them back into a new Matrix that he creates. Okay? Those are the table stakes. This is not a matrix created by the architect. It's not a matrix created by the architect and the oracle working together. It's a matrix created by a whole new supervisor program who brings Trinity and Neo back to life and sticks them in the matrix. So those are the table stakes. You pay that and watch the movie or you don't pay that. And don't watch the movie because none of it, you can't buy any of it if you don't buy that. Matrix, uh, Neo is alive, Trinity's alive, period. That's it. If you can't buy that, you can't buy the entire movie. And everything that happens after that makes 
a certain kind of sense with what was in the earlier films. But you're not going to get explanations for things that didn't make sense in the earlier films. Like how Neo had magic powers in the real world, they don't explain that. They don't even bother to try. All those theories that Zion wasn't in the real world, that was in another Matrix, never addressed. Don't even touch on it. Forget it. Not there. Um, so, you know, I'm sorry. They didn't get explained in the earlier Matrix movies, not explained in this one. Um, so, Trinity and Neo are in a different matrix and you can tell it's a different matrix and you will have noticed this from the trailers i think i did the earlier matrix had a big theme of green and black the code descending on the screen was green inside the matrix everything was heavily green tinted well this matrix has uh visual cues of blue right Clothes are blue, the sky is blue, the building's blue, the glasses on a main character are blue, the clothes that Neo and Trinity wear are blue. Blue's everywhere. That's the visual cue of this matrix and how you know that it's fundamentally different from the other matrix, that something new is going on. Now, I knew that from the trailers because I immediately noticed it was different from the earlier Matrixes. So it wasn't a spoiler for me. I hope I haven't spoiled anything from you, for you, but mm. sorry. I just picked that, that up. <laughs> that, that was, that's pretty good. I, I definitely, well, I wasn't watching most of the movie. I was, I, I, I'd uh, come in out of a stupor and, and watch a few minutes and then go back to being miserable. But that's it's good to be able to appreciate that, the, addressing the color issue, because a lot of directors like to do something like that, you, to use tinting and color cues to tell you, you know, this is a dream sequence or, or this is a memory or something. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to say is the Wachowski didn't care about the story really, but it wasn't lazy they put thought into the background they put thought into how the background plugged into the earlier matrix movies and even though there were it's a completely unnecessary sequel it doesn't have to happen it doesn't answer any uh you know dropped plot threads from the earlier movies it is a coda. Um, even so, they worked really hard to make it make sense. They actually worked on it. So whatever you say about the movie failing at its execution, and in you know a lot of ways it does fail its execution. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a great movie or even a notably good movie. Um, it was not lazily made. They worked hard on it. 
in the plotting and in the writing, they actually worked hard on it. Um, so Warner Brothers may have meant to make a cash grab Matrix sequel, but the Wachowski actually worked on it and made something more. They wanted to make a movie they could be proud of. They wanted to tell a story they could be proud of. Um, and I'm not saying that to defend them or to defend the movie. I'm saying that because that is literally what happened. I'm just trying to explain the movie so that you know that when you go in, what you're seeing is not laziness on display or even loathing and hatred for the audience. It is, uh, it, it's a director failing in a lot of ways to deliver on some of their hopes for the script. It's not someone who just couldn't be arsed to do what they're supposed to do. It's not a George Lucas with the prequels. And that kind of matters, to me at least. Is they actually did the work. I mean, that still matters, right? Sure does. Uh, I, I definitely see where you, I see where you're coming from uh, from that perspective. The, you know, we're making it with or without you. So, well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have a proper story, and we're going to. Look, you know, look out for the technical details and and the way I want the film to look and feel and, and deliver. So, it no, there was no reason to have a Matrix sequel, but so we're going to tell a story with these characters in a, you know, in the Matrix setting. You know, it'll it'll be a Matrix movie. Might have been even better if it were brand new characters, like a yeah, like a side story. Um, and, and where Keanu Reeves is and what the Matrix movies themselves are in this game, in, in this movie, make perfect sense. Okay, you've got to put Keanu Reeves, or, or Neo, the one, back into the Matrix. Well, how do you keep him from, because he's not a new Neo. They had, what, seven different Neos before? Because he was the re resolution of an anomaly in the system, an inevitable anomaly uh, caused by the problem of human free will. The first Matrix was, of course, perfect. Sorry, I'm quoting the architect here. Um, how do you keep him when he is the one and he has all these memories of the prior, his prior activities in the other Matrix, the previous Matrix? How do you keep him? from uh, remembering that and breaking free. Well, he was a computer programmer. That was literally his day job in the first Matrix movie. He was a computer programmer. So you put him back in the Matrix and you make him a computer programmer. Well, that makes perfect sense. But not just any computer programmer. You make him a game designer, a game programmer. A game programmer who made a trio of games that are hit video games called The Matrix. And all of his memories 
are part of these three video games. The first Matrix movie is the original video game, and then there's two follow-ups, right? So that every time he remembers something that actually happened to his character in real life, you know, in the movie, um, it's just a memory from his video game. Okay? That's a perfect way to fool someone into thinking that their life in the Matrix is real and all these memories are just parts of a video game, that they're not real. If you're going to create a cage for someone's mind, that's in the case of Neo, that's the perfect way to do it. It makes sense. And it's a it's an elegant solution for the writer to solve story problems, but it's also an elegant solution for the controlling entity of this new matrix. And it makes perfect sense for the character once you find out who the character is, which I'm not spoiling. It, it, it's perfectly in character for that character. Um, so, again, they bothered to think it through. They bothered to put in situations where it's like, okay, the first three movies happened. How do we deal with those consequences in a new movie where we're going to start with Neo in the Matrix? How do we keep Neo in the Matrix? How do we deal with his memories? Well, here's the steps to make it make sense. And here's how it connects with this other character who we've established as running this new matrix. And, and here's how it will play out during the game or during the rest of the movie, how it has played out in his video games. And here's how it, you know, makes sense with this other character uh, who becomes Morpheus, uh, but who isn't Lawrence Fishburne. And, and it's actually tied in together. They, they weren't lazy about it. And I can't help but admire it, that they actually did the work. They failed to make a great movie, but it's not for lack of trying. I think I've, I've made my point with that. There are some other examples, but I think I've made my point. Yeah. Point point well taken. They the my interpretation of what you said is that they were sort of given this ultimatum weird ultimatum and they're like, Well, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to make a proper film out of it. Yeah. And they succeeded better than you had any right to expect. Maybe that's, I'm just in. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just impressed because of all the other movies that were made by studios wanting to make a buck, and then you get something like, you know, the last three Die Hard movies, which were just. And I'm I'm solely talking about the plots and the reason why the movies happen. They're they're dog crap, you know. Um. Mm -hmm. Especially five and six. Good grief. 
Wait, did uh, it six die? Oh boy. Oh, or maybe just five. I don't even know anymore. Neither do I. Um, <laughs> but th they just bothered to weave it into the world so that even if it's an unnecessary sequel, it is an organic part of the Matrix movies. It actually arises naturally from the world. And again, if you accept that premise, the table stakes for the movie, everything else flows logically. It makes sense. That's my theme. That's my explanation for it. Or my uh, uh, analysis of it is it, it makes sense if you buy the premise. Uh, and if you don't buy the premise, then none of the movie is going to make sense. It's just going to annoy the crap out of you. Some good things. They expanded the Matrix stuff in interesting ways. They've got some new villains, new villains, not just agents. They didn't just slap old stuff in there. And the new villains are really interesting in concept. Um, and they do one really cool thing with them. Um, uh, well, they do a couple of cool things with them and they're welcome. Uh, they make sense in, uh, the matrix. Uh, and you can see uh, why a, a computer program would come up with these particular solutions and how it helps them stretch their resources because, they got Neo and Trinity back in the Matrix and some of the humans back in the Matrix, but they couldn't get all the humans back in the Matrix. So they're a lot of the free humans are still free. Um, because the humans won the war and they didn't wipe all that out. They didn't erase everything and go back to ground zero where all of humanity uh, is back in their pods. That's the other thing that they did that I thought was great. They didn't reset everything. Right. They didn't go back to the first matrix. They made it very clear from the beginning like that this is a new matrix. Yeah, that and, was and built. everything Neo did mattered. It had an effect, a real and lasting effect. They didn't make the prior matrix movies meaningless. Um which was the big mistake that, you know, the sequels started off with is like, oh, yeah, all that victory over the Empire and the Empire coming down, all completely meaningless. Here's the new order. It's just like the Empire. Hmm. That's the big mistake or one of the huge mistakes they started right off with at the beginning of The Force Awakens. This very clearly didn't do that. There are things that happen in this movie that say Neo's victory in the three original Matrix movies mattered. He changed things for the better. He changed things fundamentally. And there are good things that will always matter no matter what happens to Neo in this movie. Because he was the one and he did have a, his sacrifices mattered. So there are a bunch of new allies for the humans that only come about because of Neo's sacrifice in the new movie. And I think that was also something I appreciated. It's like, oh, that's great. That really is superb. You know, they didn't just say, oh, no, we're back to square one. Nothing you did mattered, which is so often the case. 
And in some genres, that doesn't matter, like, you know, slasher pictures. Uh, Michael Myers back. Jason is back in another Friday 13th. Freddy Krueger's back. Fine. You know, that's a horror movie. That's a slasher horror movie specifically. It's, it's something different. But in a movie like The Matrix, where you had three movies ending with a triumphant victory, uh, you, and you erase everything from those three movies, that's a cock-up of unimaginable proportions. And they did not make that mistake in this movie. Um, like I said, there are good things here. There are things to appreciate. And I guess I'm approaching this from a storyteller's perfect perspective in one sense. But as a fan, I appreciate it. It's like, oh, they're not crapping all over the first trilogy. They're not crapping all over fans of the first trilogy. That's kind of refreshing in this day and age. <laughs> you, to me, it sounds like you're damning with faint praise. Possibly. Um, the action scenes are not very good, most of them. It's sad. They're almost good, but they're not. The dialogue is awful. Awful. Just terrible. They don't talk like they're real people. And it makes it hard to connect with them and hard to empathize with the characters. Appreciated the fact they tried to tell a different story. That this is really what this movie is, is a romance between Neo and Trinity. And it's a much more convincing romance than the one from the original trilogy. But it's still marred by terrible dialogue. It makes it hard to believe in a romance when the two people talking don't talk like real people. It's not as bad as George Lucas' dialogue. I was just thinking, almost as bad as uh, <laughs> Attack of the Clones' dialogue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it... it, it I don't know if it's because Keanu Reeves is almost 60. He's like 58, I think. Wow. Um, but people have said, oh, yeah, it's because Keanu Reeves is old that the fight choreography was bad. I'm like, I don't know, dude. Have you seen John Wick movies? Right. I, I don't think you can blame Keanu being old for the bad fight choreography. I think you can put that on the fight choreographers, but it's slow. It's slow and it's it's generally uninspired and not cool. Um, in the early part of the movie, when they're planning the Matrix 4 video game that Warner Brothers is forcing them to make, they talk about what the audience expects and they're like, bullet time! Yeah! Um, that's like one of the core concepts of the matrix that people want to see. So they don't really, they don't do bullet time at all in that sense. And, but there's nothing else cool and visual to replace it. And I don't know if like, I don't know why, but there's nothing really in this movie. I don't care that it isn't, super groundbreaking because they took something from anime and put it in this movie so it would look different than everything else because they were groundbreaking in 1999 
when the move when the first Matrix came out because no one had seen that in live action movies before. But then, you know, in the 22 years since then, everybody has branched out into doing really awesome visual effects. I mean, you've got the Zack Snyder move, pause for a slow motion shot, and then speed up and then pause uh, that he uses to try and emulate the feel and the flow of comic book panels. Uh, and some people like it and some people hate it. I happen to like that kind of style used precisely for different parts of a movie, not all the time. Um, I think it can add enhance uh, action scenes. I don't care that they're not being groundbreaking because it's hard to be groundbreaking when everybody has taken your tools and then iterated on them a step. And I don't care that they're not the same as the other matrixes, but I do care that they didn't even try to do something that was at least visually arresting. If you're not going to do something new, do something well. And they didn't even try to do something that was like, okay, here is something from the matrix done in an interesting way. Yes, you've seen bullet time before. And so here's a cool looking shot in bullet time. You know, here's a shot we've never done in the matrix before in bullet time. Or here's a shot that, you know, is imaginative and arresting that you wouldn't think of that would be bullet time. Uh, or something that's not quite bullet time, uh, or not even bullet time, but just looks cool, that plays around with our expectations of bullet time. I don't even have any concrete examples. I'm not trying to think up things to tell them what they should have done. It just, I, I wanted something more. I expected something more. Not that they would, you know, revolutionize cinematography again, but that there should have been something more and there wasn't. I hear you. Uh, the only the only thing that popped out at me as a, an objection was the, the new and interesting things they tried to do with wire work and CGI in the sequels to The Matrix really fell flat. That would be my likely objection, if at all. Because you're right, they didn't try to do anything. I mean, the, the one scene with the bad guy, the main bad guy, that, mm. was, that was okay. I liked that. I would have liked to see more of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, if they had had less meta stuff, they would have had more space in the movie's runtime to really play with things. Uh, and maybe they would have had room to do some more interesting stuff like that. You got limits. Um, complete aside, by the way, as a man who has ranted and raved about 
how movies should be cut back to 90 minutes. Uh, I was really pleased that two of the brand new movies I've seen in the last uh, month or so uh, were both 90 minutes long. Uh, I feel like my diatribes about Hollywood were being answered. Not that they were answered <laughs> because of me. I just, you know, I'm just happy. Lucky. Yeah, I got lucky. Uh, so, what else well, can I'll, I? Uh, there, I don't think there's much else to say. Um, I, for all the reasons that you, you know, for all the reasons that you said it's it fell short, I didn't like it. And uh, although I will, I will gladly acknowledge what you said about the success of the story and everything. Uh, you know the the portrayal of the romance in particular being improved. Still not good. Not a successful romance, but <laughs> no. much much improved. Um, I, that's got to be it for the Matrix. You want to tell us a little bit about Spider Man's man. Spider-Man No Way Home starts at Peter Parker, literally starts at the last frame of the last Spider-Man home movie. Yes, I know there's an alternate definition of home movie. You know what I'm talking about. It's Spider-Man Homecoming, Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I don't know what's coming next, Spider-Man Home Invasion, <laughs> Spider-Man homeboy. I don't know. But uh, you can't even see me. I did the finger gestures for homeboy. Because I'm a white man and I'm a racist. Um, <laughs> I <even> said that. <laughs> you know, it's a good thing we're a small show. I would be in so much trouble <laughs> if we had more people listening to this. I can only get away with that. Um, <laughs> I'd apologize. It's, it's okay. But it's okay. We all know. I'd apologize, but uh, I'd be lying if I said I was sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Spider-Man No Way Home is a really good movie. It's a really, really, really good movie. And I myself was just reminiscing, as I have off and on for about uh, 20, 19 years, almost 20, that what I really loved most about the very first Sam Raimi Spider-Man was Willem Dafoe's portrayal of the Green Goblin, and that I wanted to see more of it, and it was a tragedy that I couldn't see more of it. What this movie allowed me to do, and this is not a spoiler because it was in the trailer, um, is that Willem Dafoe got to come back as the Green Goblin. Um, and it was awesome. It was better than I ever thought it could ever be. Uh, it was just, he did a great job as a performance. It wasn't nostalgia. It was a performance where he really rocked it, knocked it out of the park. 
No Way Home, if you watch the trailers, you know Peter Parker's identity got revealed to the whole world. And uh, Doctor, he goes to Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is going to cast a spell so that uh, people forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Uh, they spend the first like 20 minutes of the movie showing you how crappy his life is because people know he's Spider-Man and they hate him for being a murderer. They think he's a murderer because he killed Mysterio in the last movie. I'm sure you. Don't, I'm sure many of you don't remember that or didn't see the movie, knowing our audience. Um, but uh, then they show how it's also ruining the lives of his girlfriend and his best friend. And it's at that point when they ruin the lives of his friends that he actually goes to Doctor Strange. Uh, not just for him, for his friends. So kind of a bit of nobility there is he wants to save them, not himself. And because magic is magic and yada, 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 it opens up. Peter Parker messes up Doctor Strange during the spell casting. Just forewarning, folks, if you ever need to go to the Sorcerer Supreme and ask him to cast a world-altering spell on your behalf, don't jog his elbow during the spell casting, okay? Bad things mm -hmm. will happen. So the spell casting goes awry and it opens up gates between the Marvel MCU world and alternate worlds and people who know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man are drawn through to the MCU Earth. Um, and this is a, if you're a potato who hasn't, doesn't pay attention to these things on the internet, I'm sorry, maybe you're not a potato, maybe you just hate Marvel movies or you hate modern culture. Um, I you only may hate not, I only hate two things, and that's Marvel movies and everything. And everything. Okay. Well, you know, that's fair, I guess. Um, you may not know that Tobey Maguire from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, who played Peter Parker, is in this movie. And you may also not know that Andrew Garfield, who was Peter Parker, in the ama two amazing Spider-Man movies, who never got to finish his trilogy, is also in this movies. Also in this movie, No Way Home, because they're from alternate Earths. They're alternate versions of Peter Parker. And they both show up, and villains from their movies, I'll just leave it at villains, also show up. And so the three... Spider-Men have to work together to do some things against the villains. That's not too big a spoiler, I think. No. After some, you know, initial superhero-esque confusion and stuff. Um, so one of the things I liked about this movie is all three actors kicked it out of the park. The three Spider-Man actors kicked it out of the park. All of the villains were given good, meaty roles, if small, because, you know, you don't have time to fully develop all these characters. 
they were depending on kind of their performances in earlier movies, but they were given beefy parts in this movie. And it allowed each of them to kind of complete arcs that their characters never got to complete in the earlier movies, especially including Andrew Garfield. And he could have come into this and just kind of done his thing and uh, collected the paycheck and he would have been fine. It would have been fun. People would have enjoyed it. Would have been a nice little nostalgia bump, you know, like a nice little bump of cocaine. Yeah, that's some good nostalgia, man. But since his Spider-Man movies, uh, Andrew Garfield has done like Hacksaw Ridge and some other dramatic roles. And so he came into this movie and they wrote him a background where he actually had some growth to do. And he actually had some some weight on his shoulder because in his last movie, Gwen Stacy died. And he never really got to deal with that. He never really had a third movie to get over that, you know? His trilogy was cut short after The Empire Strikes Back. He never had a Return of the Jedi to get over that. So he gets that arc in this movie to where you get to see what happens with him. And that was actually nice. And there are are little things like that where you get to see because they don't they just don't bring Tobey Maguire straight from the end of his third movie they bring him you know 19 years later so you get to see what Spider-Man who is no longer in his 20s but instead is in his 40s is like what happened in his life how is he like as a mature adult what does he have to say to this new Peter who's still a teenager just barely graduated high school or is just barely going to graduate high school um all of these things uh are great to see the three of them have great chemistry together on screen they bounce off each other well it is a well-written movie um and there is absolutely zero um kicks in the crotch uh, they don't stop the movie for uh, preaching. They don't go on about global warming or, you know, diversity or the patriarchy or anything. There are no politics. It's it's just a movie that's meant to entertain the audience, and they don't hate the audience. They work their butts off to entertain the audience. And they do everything they can to invest in the movie and make it entertaining and make characters who sound human. And if I was going to say the biggest thing between this movie and Matrix Revolutions, and you're going to say, why is that so important? And, I, and I'm just going to have to shrug at this point and say, I don't know, it just is. The characters in this movie sound like human beings. There's been kind of a romance developing between Happy um, from the Iron Man movies, right? The head of security for Stark Industries and Aunt May that's been sort of developing over the course of the Spider-Man films, of Spider-Man MCU films. And what happens with that relationship in this movie, they, they sound like real people. All the cast sounds like real people. 
And by any measure, all of them are less real than Neo, who's got superpowers inside a computer simulation, right? But, you know, he can't climb walls, he doesn't have web shooters, whatever. Um, it's just, or whatever the other, you know, villains, he hangs out with literally the Sorcerer Supreme who can uh, time travel and open up holes in reality and dimensions and just, they all sounded more like real human beings than anybody in the Matrix Revolutions. And so you could empathize with them more. They didn't feel like you were watching mannequins on the screen. It's a fun movie. It's a great movie. It's fast paced. The action scenes are awesome. They're well shot. They move fast. They're based around character, not kineticism. And you know I love kineticism, right? You know I love things going fast and bullets being shot and things blowing up and all of that. And this has got some great kinetic momentum to the scenes. Um, and this is, it's just awesome. But the action scenes are played as background to characters interacting with other characters in the scene, which is what Marvel Comics always were about. There was always quipping, going back and forth. There was always characters having grudges and talking. Marvel action scenes were never just about the fighting. There was always something about the characters involved. Uh, so I don't know if Ghostbusters 2016 kind of woke somebody up at Sony to tell them, hey, you know what? Don't make a movie that hates your audience. Don't make a movie that talks down to your audience. Don't make a movie that, you know, kind of pees all over your, uh, your franchise. Do make a movie that's fun. Do make a movie that's entertaining. Do make a movie that's about the characters and respects the lore. Do make a movie that gives the audience what they enjoy, whether it's what they expected or not. And there are some things in this movie that I did not expect. Absolutely did not expect. And if I had been voting on it, I wouldn't have voted for necessarily. But they were, you know, good moments in cinema. People have said this is one of the best MCU movies. And I do think it benefits from recency because not only is it the most recent MCU movie, but you also had Shang-Chi and Black Widow were some of the, the two right before it. Um, and there are some great MCU movies out there like The Avengers, the original The Avengers. Um, and other movies in the MCU have been great. But I do think this can stand 
uh, with any MCU movie. You want to compare it? It compares fav favorably to any other MCU movie. Absolutely. And uh, it opened with a higher box office total than Eternity War or Infinity War did. And for the most part, yeah, it deserved it. Well, that's good to hear, honestly. Uh, I think part of the key is you said that the characters spoke like real people, which yeah. which I thought was really ironic because that's one of the things that keeps the rest of the MCU from being great or better than they are, uh, especially the Avengers Joss Whedon era. Uh, where no everybody talked like a character on Buffy. Nobody really sounded human, uh, except for maybe Captain America's lines. Uh, it, so it's good to hear that they've learned. And I'm really glad that you enjoyed the film. It was fun. I had fun sitting there in the theater watching a movie that did nothing but try to entertain me didn't talk down to me didn't try to educate me or raise my awareness just tried to be fun cool. and and succeeded that some people have taken value some people have taken vows never to go see it. That's fine. That's your, you know, that's your God-given right to take a vow never to go see a movie. But it is a really good movie. Um, I don't, I don't know if John Wright has written anything about it on his blog, um, but Lamplighter Wright, his wife, uh, says it's the best superhero movie she's ever seen. Wow. I, I wouldn't go that far, but that's because I have a I have trouble getting over Batman nineteen eighty nine, <laughs> or the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger as the Joker. I I have a hard time giving that movie up as one of the best superhero movies ever. I just I, I almost can't do it. Can't do it. I hear you. Uh, that's yeah, the Batman '89 school, and uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. I agree. I I don't have anything to add. Uh, I haven't seen it. I'm I'm glad that the MCU came out with something not garbage. Uh, for once, um, and it was made by Sony, not by Marvel. Oh, that is that the key. I knew I was missing something there. <laughs> I just, I have to remind people too that there are a lot of things that are out there that are on my to watch list because I'm supposed to review them for the show that I just have not been able to bring myself to review or to watch yet. Uh, the Netflix Cowboy Bebop, still haven't watched it. Uh, the Netflix. Hawkeye series, still haven't watched it. Um, the Amazon Prime Wheel of Time series, still haven't watched it. 
I did watch The Witcher. Better than the first season. The girl playing Siri has apparently grown up a lot in between that season and this season. She did a great job because, which is good because this season focused all on her. Um, it's it's better than the first season. It's not great, but better than the first season. I uh, I'm getting ready to completely tap out though they've got a miss marvel miniseries coming and i just <laughs> it, it's it it's not like i don't want to watch it because i don't but i watch a lot of things i don't want to watch so i can review them for the show that's you know kind of the job but miss marvel that's a hard sell it, it, it's not that i don't want to watch i i I'm afraid I don't have it in me to watch that show. Like, I, I literally don't think I have the endurance to watch that. I watched all the sliders, and that last season broke me. It broke something in me. I, I can't watch shows that bad anymore. It took everything I had and ruined me for future shows. And I'm afraid this Miss Marvel series is going to be worse than Sliders last season. And that's saying something. That's like my benchmark for utterly awful, utterly, utterly awful TV. Sounds like you've been wounded. Yeah, and like Frodo, it's a wound that will never heal. <laughs> Just, and I know I've said this several times before, scattered out over the last six years, but yeah, sliders it. It took something out of me. It really did. <laughs> Does this sound like I'm joking around or exaggerating or something? It's, it's the truth. Dang. I just can't face badness uh, that's as bad as that anymore. At least not for a TV show. Not for like, you know, 22 episodes of an hour-long TV show. I could do it for a two-hour movie maybe, but... No, not for a TV show. I'm looking at myself in the mirror right now. I've got this haunted look in my eyes. <laughs> That's not a joke. It's the truth. I mean, it's funny, but it's the truth. It's a, it's a bit melodramatic. Into, I'm staring off into the distance at these Neanderthals and these flying ships burning down an alternate Earth. And I'm just thinking, that's a terrible TV show. <laughs> I'm having... Having timeline war flashbacks. <laughs> Sliders gave me PTSD. <laughs> there, there. It's All okay. Right, we're done for today. We are totally done. Uh, that was fun talking about the movies. It's so good to be back. Uh, good people hanging out in chat. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. They're talking movies in there too. And uh, I hope everybody listening later 
really enjoys the discussion of a movie that you've already seen. Uh, but I'm done for this week, Daddy Warpig. Good to be back. Uh, yeah, I want to say thanks to everyone who listened live and joined it in the chat. Uh, thanks to everyone who listened later. Uh, quick reminder, we do this uh, just about every Saturday, uh, just about the same time. Uh, that would be 2 p.m. Eastern, um, 12 p.m. Mountain. Um, 2, 1, 12, 11. Yeah, 10, uh, 12 p.m. Mountain. Um, so if you want to come uh, and participate live in the chat with the unusually intelligent, unusually attractive members of audience, please uh, absolutely feel free. Or if you don't, you can catch us on the Google Play Store, on the iTunes Store, and on SoundCloud.com to listen to us on the device of our choice. Um, we are signing off for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.